Welcome to another episode of Vaughan Infobytes. Today I'm joined by Ronald Niemeyer, who's the Marketing Manager at Arbio Farm in Germany. In this episode, we discuss how to manage the mycotoxin mayhem. So welcome to another edition of our Vaughan Infobytes series. For this one, we are joined by Ronald. Ronald, can you introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Uh, my name is Ronald Niemeyer. I'm uh, the uh, Director of Marketing at uh, our Biofarm and also work for Trilogy Analytical Laboratory, where I also do marketing. Sure. So if you've been listening to any of our um, previous podcasts, I always like to start with a little icebreaker just to hear a little bit of a food story since we are a food diagnostics company. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to figure out, okay, what kind of strange food did I eat? But quite a bit because I'm traveling quite a yep. lot and uh, I like to be a bit adventurous with food. I mean, I, I like haggis here from, from Scotland, for example. Tried to find that yesterday. Unfortunately, wasn't successful. Yep. But I also had, in, for example, in, in Asia, where I ate camel, sea cucumbers, which, okay, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. No, not my <laughs> particular taste, I have to say. No, yep. but being Dutch, I still have some kind of uh, well, homesick foods I like a lot. Uh, for example, salted herring is okay. something I really miss. Yeah, yeah. Um, the way it's it's made in, in the Netherlands. Yeah, whenever I'm in the Netherlands, I take salted herring. Yes, but no, I've travelled with you many times and I know you you like to source the, the sort of local um, products to try Absolutely. and I have to say you're, you're braver than me on many occasions. <laughs> <laughs> so today really we are wanting to focus on mycotoxins, really sort of, sort of managing the mycotoxin mayhem. Mm -hmm. So I think it makes sense to firstly start with, can you sort of give a brief overview of what mycotoxins are? Yeah, that's very difficult to have it all in a few, a few sentences. <laughs> exactly. But okay, mycotoxins, it comes from the word in, in from Greek. Eh? It's tox poisonous compounds, toxins, yep. produced by molds, mycos. Uh, and as I said, uh, there is a definition, which is that it are secondary metabolites produced by certain molds. Um, you can say they are typically harmful substances produced by, by molds on different kind of commodities from, from agriculture. Um, I think there are more than... 3,000 molds of mycotoxins yeah. known so far, um, but only a few of them have been really uh, regulated. And typically, they, they, they cause harm to, to humans who consume them, but also to animals. Yeah. Uh, for example, the, the, the livestock is uh, affected, but also pets might be affected by mycotoxins. Yeah. Yeah. So it's something of concern. Yeah, certainly it's um, an interesting industry to be in because, as you see, there's always new mycotoxins being discovered and, and regulated you know recently there was even more regulations added in terms of ochratoxin and um obviously more and more mycotoxins being added and plant toxins as well yes going yeah. forward so you know what is the um, incentive behind laboratories needing to and wanting to test for mycotoxins well i said of course there are toxic compounds so there is of course a health uh, aspect in there i mean the, the consumers have to be protected uh, against uh, mycotoxins exposure also, if you look at, for example, um, livestock, if they have animal feed, uh, typically the, the, the animals don't grow that fast um, if they have um, mycotoxin-contaminated feed. So there is a, also a financial aspect in there. And I think that that's also, in many reasons why actually it's tested, there's always a financial aspect in there. Uh, it could be during, uh, if you're trying to import um, a commodity that is my, uh, mycotoxin-contaminated and refused on the border, has to be destroyed. Yep. Uh, sometimes they you have to reallocate uh, it. Uh, you no longer can use it as food, but maybe as feed. So yeah, there, there are quite some economical aspects. So I, there is a reason, uh, certainly a good reason, to test for mycotoxins for the all in all the industry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there you mentioned sort of um, 
importing and exporting, obviously there is a system in Europe called the Rapid Alert System for Food and Feed or the RASAV system. Um, you know, looking back to 2022, there were around just under 500 notifications regarding mycotoxins. A very high percentage of those were um, relating to aflatoxin alone. I think it was about 85 to 90 percent. Can you say a little bit more about that system? Yeah, it was actually introduced, I think, in the late 70s um, uh, by the European Union. And the idea was that uh, um, the, the member states should inform each other if they see something in the market that is not compliant and that might uh, have a risk for, for the consumers. And you have actually different levels. So you have alerts, you have informations, um, you have border rejections. Mm -hmm. And within that system... The member states inform each other. Yep. The, the funny thing is that you can also, as a consumer, you can look in that system and to look up, okay, which commodities, which products were affected with some risk because you see all the risk in there. It's not just mycotoxins. There's also allergens in there, for example, antibiotics. It's somehow shocking sometimes <laughs> to see, but also it's very interesting and instructive to, to see, okay, where do these products come from? What were the, the problems there? Yeah. So I suppose it's, it can be... Useful in helping if there is a problem, track it back and and find out sort of almost the chain where it's come from and what could be affected. You know, absolutely. Um, and yeah, there's a bit of awareness also. I think from uh, as a informed consumer, yeah, there's a bit of awareness from oh, I didn't think of that. That there's also risk, but yeah, 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 so, yeah. So you know, obviously we're talking about the mycotoxin mayhem. So really, I think you know, it's how can we test mycotoxins throughout? You know, from throughout the food chain. So what things should be considered when implementing analysis? Well, there are a lot of things you actually have to look at. If, if you start with um, the sample, yeah. first thing is how do I get a representative sample? Yeah. Imagine you have a, a boat or a truckload. How do I take a representative sample out of that? And that is not just a straightforward plan in the sense of, okay, once I've defined the plan, I have them for all. No, it depends on the commodity. Yeah. So sampling is, is a really important issue. And if you look at, uh, let's say, the importance of sampling in the entire era of the, the analysis, it's a major contribution by, by the, the sampling. Then comes sample preparation. Mm -hmm. um, well, for example, how fine do I grind the sample? And there's a lot of variability you get into there. Which kind of a sample size do I take actually in analytical method? Which extraction method am I going to use? Sample cleanup. Sometimes you have so much disturbances from your matrix, you need a very efficient cleanup in your sample. And then, of course, the method you're going to use. Is it validated for your commodity? Um, does it have the right specifications? There's quite a lot of... There is. There's a lot to consider. Um, and this is obviously something, you know, at our biofarm, we try to help um, with the customer. So what kind of analytical methods are there available to customers? What you see, uh, let's say, uh, if you look at the high end of the lab scale, you see a lot of chromatography methods. Mm -hmm. uh, so, for example, HPLC, or it can be a GC, or it can be an LCMSMS, of course. You see on uh, the other end of the spectrum, if you look at, for example, almost like field testing. Yeah. You see test kits like lateral flow devices based on immunoassays. And in between, um, you have uh, uh, immunoassays like, for example, um, ELISA's. And what you see, um, for example, see the cleanup, as I said, is, is so difficult sometimes. So you need specific products to facilitate the, the, the cleanup of mycotoxins. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a bit of an overview of all the kind of methods that are out there. Yeah. And obviously, if we look at the sort of the, the field testing, if you like, the, the um, sort of lateral flow testing, we are obviously um, 
developed a, a smartphone-based analytical tool. What was the sort of reasoning behind that and sort of a bit of the principle behind that? Well, it's kind of funny that that uh, I was... If you look at it, um, you need a device that can take a picture yeah. uh, of, of a letter flow. You need to de de look at the, the intensity of the bands. And then you need a computer. And then you need something to communicate. And the funny thing is we all had that all the time. That's our smartphone. Yeah. Because it has an excellent camera. It has um, the software on board if you have the right uh, program and the right app to do all the calculations. And what is so great, uh, you have the connectivity with a smartphone. Yeah. You can um, easily transfer data to a server, but you could also, for example, upload it in a cloud or something like a cloud-based system yeah. and then share those data. Can you imagine if you are the QC manager looking at all those data from different locations? That's really great. So yeah. it's surprising that um, we didn't get sooner to that, that idea that the smartphone yeah. actually is a great tool to yeah. do this. And I think it takes away the, the old, you know, perception, holding the kit at arm's length, see, is there a line there, isn't there a line there? And, you know, it takes away that variability from person to person, doesn't it? Because, yeah, so you built in the objectivity. You do a real measurement, you have a picture, you can yeah. do the calculations. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, sort of looking at the RASAF notifications, if you look at it, there are multiple occurrences or multiple occasions where there's more than one mycotoxin present. And I think we also see that in terms of the trend from a lot of commercial labs are looking at multi-analyte testing. Again, what do you think the reasoning behind sort of moving towards that is? Well, the one thing you have to take in account is that uh, you can always see some kind of synergies between the different mycotoxins. Um, one toxin might have a certain toxicity, but if it's in combination with a second toxin, the effect might be even stronger. Um, and as you can see, it's typically not just one mold causing the problem. There are always more molds and more toxins actually produced. In fact, if you're looking, um, you will discover a lot of more toxins. Yep. Uh, if you run an LCMS-MS scan, uh, it's amazing how many toxins you can sometimes identify yeah. and then taking in account that there might be some synergy in between uh, those toxins, it is something of concern. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think we'll see more in the future also and also changing patterns well, thanks to, to climate change. We will see yeah. emerging toxins, different toxin patterns, yeah. always expect the unexpected. Yeah, and I think... Again, you know, multi-analyte testing reduces the time in the lab. Rather than doing six extractions, Absolutely. you can do the one. Absolutely. Um, you know, I'm all for making things easier <laughs> going forward. And I think that is the trend for, for everything, you know, smartphones, multi-analyte testing. Yes. Make it easy, simple for people to use. That's for um, sure. Yeah. Yeah, certainly because it's so critical to do this test properly. We should make it as easy as possible. Exactly. And, you know, yeah. things are evolving. We might as well evolve with it. Yeah. So method validation is really important to ensure um, accurate, precise results are you know, obtained regardless of the analyst using it. Um, so how can, uh, what part can reference materials play in the method validation? I think they are actually quite an essential part yep. because, uh, okay, you can generate numbers and uh, they might even look very good from the sense that they're not too far away and they're very reproducible. But how do they correlate with the real value? And that's where you need the reference material. Yep. You have them different kinds. You have the certified reference materials which have the full traceability. So that's great if you do a validation. But also in daily use, you have to use quality control materials just to touch base on, okay, what am I actually measuring? If I put in a known sample with a known result, I have really a correlation with, let's say, a, a baseline. So I know what I'm doing. Yeah. And I can then see, for example, if my method is running out of spec, um, it's a basic element of a quality control. Yeah. 
Yeah. So you should use reference materials or quality control materials all the time, I think. Yeah, and these reference materials are really good for helping to train new staff or yeah. even just to make sure, you know, if you're not doing something very often, you sort of run a reference material alongside what you're doing to... Sure, or, yeah. or just do troubleshooting. Yeah. Yeah. If, if, if you yeah. identify a problem and you want to know, okay, what did cause that problem? If you take a known sample, the troubleshooting is so much easier. Yeah. You can extract it, for example, 10 times and then... Uh, test the same extract 10 times and then you have kind of a, a matrix to, to identify uh, where the problem might be. So for troubleshooting, they're also very important. Yeah. As you said, analyst training is, is very important. Yeah. There are many application exactly. areas. Yeah. Yeah. So really, I think that's it. Anything else to add regarding the managing the mycotoxin mayhem? Well, as I said just earlier, expect the unexpected. I think <laughs> that is really something yeah. that we have to bear in mind for mycotoxins in the future. We will see a lot of new mycotoxins, yep. strange mycotoxins. Always yeah. expect the unexpected. Keeps us on his to our toes, doesn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you again, Ronald. Um, it's been a pleasure to speaking to you. And that's the end of another Rona Infobites podcast. Bye.